That's Jeremy Bryan. And that's Caroline Steele. And this is HR Alchemist. Alchemist. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. On this episode, we sit down with Monica Danner, an organizational development coach and trainer. After working at DB for 15 years, Monica took a sabbatical for one year, something we asked her about on the podcast. During her sabbatical, she discovered the getting things done method of management and became a certified trainer. Since then, she's been working with teams and leaders to help organize their tasks in order to achieve their goals. My name is Monica and I am based in Berlin, as most of your guests, I think. From my education, I am actually a historian. So I was always interested in how society was working and the best combination of studies to give me that sort of insight, I felt, was history combined with political sciences and law. So I started to study um, someone back in the 90s and um, yeah, just trying to find out how society works. My way led me to the corporate world finally in Berlin where I ended up in an HR role. For 16 years, I covered different roles in HR, mostly strategic roles and organizational development roles. From 2013, I covered a role, a leadership role in recruitment. It was a fantastic time with the recruitment for a large company, but it was also very, very intense. <laughs> I built up a new team. So I, after that, after a five-year role, I felt I needed a break and I took a sabbatical. And during that time, I had the idea to start a work as a freelance consultant, which I haven't regretted ever since. So today I'm working as a leadership consultant and trainer based in Berlin. But you also created a blog when you took time off. The Sound of Work, which is a brilliant blog, I would recommend people to check it out. I feel like my professional interest takes a little bit of a different direction every time I take a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. Because in this period, uh, something becomes more clear about where I should be heading professionally. Was that something that happened to you as well? Like, you know, this idea of moving from a job to being a, a consultant, was that something that came out of the sabbatical? Actually, I had the idea of working freelance for a very long time. But if you're in the corporate world, you know, you just don't give yourself the time for the thought. So I think the best thing with a sabbatical once you have recovered from like, you know, exhaustion and everything, it gives you space. It gives you the possibility to clear up your mind, to, to really find out what you want to do in your life. And writing was something, you know, I've been doing that just little pieces in school time and I wanted to go back to that. And blog writing is so easy. You may, I mean, you just buy a website and then you go ahead. <laughs> So I, I started this as a fun project and it still is a fun project. So if I don't feel like it, I just don't write blogs. And sometimes I have so many ideas that I have like one blog every week. And the question of sound, it came up because I'm doing tap dance. I've been taking tap dance lessons since I was 17. This is my hobby and tap dance and music. There are so many ideas we use in dance that can be transferred to professional life. And I like the analogy of finding your best voice in dance and your best voice in your professional life. So this is a little bit the idea that was behind the creation of the blog. I absolutely support the idea of 
sabbaticals, you need them in order to, to do a reframing of the world you're in. They're very helpful to give you the time to get a clear mind, to find back to yourself and then maybe even do some rearrangements in your professional and private life. I really can encourage everyone to take that time and find the way to take a time off more than just a vacation. One of the thoughts that you mentioned before we hit on record is how you're at the moment learning about leadership in that sense. Every leader has a phase or a season in their life and their leadership style changes according to the phase that they're in at the moment. Do you feel that that's something that is quite obvious? Like, you know, can you look at a person and then figure out what season they're in? Can you maybe also understand how a leader is leading an organization based on the season that they're in in their life at that moment? Well, maybe we sometimes think it is obvious, but it is not in all times. Because what I think is important in organizations, these days, people in, in large organizations, they tend to work for a very long time. Like, we will leave work when we are age 67. And of course, we have different ideas from when we are in our early 20s. The important thing is to establish dialogues. Having the perspective of getting a dialogue between the generations can be a very important asset for every organizational development. For leaders, it always starts with looking at yourself, like where am I in life? And if I have a team, can I see where the others are in life? Or if I don't know it, I have to ask them, starting with a question. Where are you? Where are you aiming to go? What are your needs today? We should rather talk about having a dialogue between the generations rather than a change. Like change has the idea of, okay, those who are in the mid-40s, they are the decision makers in the company. I mean, you have been talking about that in your podcast with some guests as well, going away from hierarchical structures to more, you know, leadership structures where the leader becomes more a coach to the team than a leader more up in hierarchy. We have to talk about formats where dialogue can happen, where we don't suggest only those who are in the mid-40s are the decision makers, because the other ones, they might also have good ideas, both those who are in the early 20s and also those who are in their 60s. An idea, a metaphor could be the sun rising in the morning. It gives a very bright light. You know, everybody likes the morning sun. Then at noontime, sun is at its top, you know, you have bright sunlight and then the sun goes down. Everybody knows how beautiful it can be to watch a sunset. I really like the idea of having, you know, all the qualities in an organization, all the generations and have them have good dialogues between the generations. Getting Things Done, or GTD, is a time management method developed by David Allen that helps people take control of their own productivity. The system offers a simple guide to stress-free productivity through easy-to-apply techniques. So I'm working as a GTD trainer. Getting Things Done was originally a book published by David Allen. I encountered Getting Things Done in 2014 when I was a delegate at a seminar. And I was fascinated about the simplicity of the methodology. It's a very simple way of capturing everything that draws your attention today working with that material, and then get to a definition both of desired outcomes and for next steps. So it's a very, very simple methodology. 
and it's very easy to adapt. So yes, I do recommend GTD, of course, <laughs> otherwise I wouldn't do that work today. But what I like especially is that it's so simple and that it can answer a lot of questions. So what I see in most cultures is a culture of being overwhelmed with the stuff ending up on your table every day. And it can be your physical table. And these days it's mostly your virtual table, like stuff ending up in your email file. So we work a lot with getting an idea of what are all the commitments that are on your table. We do that work both with leaders and with teams. So it's not dependent on what position you are. Our clients have a wish to look at their system and to get into control in a better way of everything what draws their attention. If we talk about next actions, yes, there are periods where we are to focus on our next actions. Like there is a small work hack, it's the two minute rule, everything that occurs in your system, which can be done in two minutes, just do it right at once. So just do it immediately. But if you look at larger things and we define projects as actions that, well, they need something more than just one next action. So there might be an outcome that goes beyond a next action. And then we highly recommend to think about what is the desired outcome? Why are you doing that? And what do you want it to look like at the end? Many meetings do not have a desired outcome. They have a lack of desired outcome. So people just sit there <laughs> in large companies, 10, 15 people sitting in a conference room discussing something, some topic. There might be meeting notes and everyone afterwards says, okay, this day was wasted because I was sitting in the meeting all day. Some clients come with that sort of issue and they ask me, okay, Monica, but I cannot do anything because I have to attend these meetings every day. <laughs> and I usually say, okay, why are you there? Can you answer these questions for yourself? And if you feel there's no reason to be there, don't go. <laughs> this discussion can be very helpful to be held in teams, no matter on what leadership level you are. We usually start working with the leadership teams and then leaders sometimes invite us to do that additional work with getting things done in their teams. What are we doing? We usually we teach seminars, very often two-day seminars. Now we teach virtual seminars as well. Actually, we do not only teach the methodology, but we work with the stuff that people bring us. And people usually leave the room with empty inboxes. We try to build up a system in most companies with Microsoft Outlook. We work with every tool, it doesn't matter. And we start to really work with the stuff they bring and turn their stuff into next actions and desired outcomes and have them create a system they can trust on and that covers basically all parts of their life. So that is the idea of getting things done. And in the first place, I think it's a very good instrument to gain more control. And that's also the aim of when we start working with getting things done. Like some people, they read the book. Some people would attend a seminar. Some people attend online classes. But the first thing is always gain control over everything that has your attention in your life. Once you are in control, then we go into a deeper work and we encourage people to think about greater visions in their life. There's also a model invented by David Allen. It's called the Horizons of Focus model. And, you know, very often strategy or vision building workshops, they start with, hey, Jeremy or hey, Monica, what's your vision for life? And people would just freeze and say, okay, 
I don't know it. I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is too big a question. David Allen, he has this wonderful Horizons of Focus model. In the work we do, we try to go the other way around. So we're not going from the top to the bottom, but we're going from the bottom to the top. We would ask people, what is in your calendar today? Or what is in your calendar next week? And then we would ask the question, okay, why is it in there? Is there any project related to that meeting, to that appointment, to that whatever? Yeah? Is there a larger desired outcome than just that one next action? Then we would look at the list of projects and we would say, and most people have a lot of projects. We would assume in the definition of David Allen, every adult has, every working adult has a list of projects between 30 and 100 maybe, covering both professional and private projects. Next step would be, why are you engaged in this project? Is there a role that goes behind that project? Is there an area of responsibility? Could be being a team member or being an expert for XYZ in that company. It could be also having a role as a parent. It could be having a role as a neighbor in your community because you do some community work. So what we try is to really make clear what roles and what areas of responsibility everyone has in their life. Typical example for an area of responsibility would be your own health. Going to the doctor <laughs> on a regular basis to do some checkups is in your responsibility. It's an area of responsibility. And from that, we go even further. So if you imagine the uh, horizons of focus model as a pyramid, We go from the bottom to the top, going from next actions to projects, to areas of focus, to your goals and to your visions and to your principles in life. And by that way, it's very easy by asking the why question, you can go from the bottom up to the top and get a clear picture of where you want to go. And that is a very nice work we usually do both with leadership teams and with just working teams to find out where they want to go and where their vision is. So that's what I like a lot about the work of David Allen, that it makes things very easy. We call that idea the gaining of perspective. So once you've gained control, you can start that work gaining perspective. And of course, there is a link between both, between the self-management idea and the idea of gaining more perspective. Yeah, and every time you like, you know, even just the process of writing things down already clarifies a lot of what's going on in your head. And I think one of the things he says is your mind is a crappy office. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's like, you know, yeah. the system as, as an external brain. Um, yes. And I'm going to reveal a little bit of my obsessive compulsiveness because I, I love the system. But, you know, I, when I first came across the content, I immediately started implementing the two-minute hacks. Like, mm -hmm. if, if it can be done in two minutes, do it now. Don't put it off. Don't write it down mm -hmm. because you can finish in two minutes, whatever task that is. But I love the idea of having a zero email inbox, but not just email. I apply the principle to, let's say, even like a chat or like, a, like when I have SMSs. I always tend to delete, but I think it's because I'm a bit of a minimalist and I like a clean screen. Mm -hmm. But then when I came across the system, I started implementing having folders for references because, of course, there are some things that you might need for future reference. And even mm -hmm. though there's no next action associated with it, to save it. So I kind of started like, you know, I, I feel like there's also a little bit of 
you may not have to follow the system 100%, but there's also things you can implement straight away. And you can also fine tune it to how, you know, what works for you in a way. Yes, of course. There's so many small ideas in the system and usually people leave a seminar or a coaching and they will afterwards find their individual way of how to adapt it. And one of the core ideas, you mentioned it already, is as a quote by David, your mind is for having ideas, not holding them. And I usually tell my, my clients, if you just keep that one thing, then you will not anymore keep things in your head, but write everything down, either by, with pen and paper. We always say there's no shame on paper. Yeah, just take a notepad or whatever, or use any digital device. Don't keep things in your head because otherwise you will have your head full of stuff. You will not have the possibility to have a clear mind to get into the creativity we talked about when we talked about our sabbatical <laughs> experiences. You need to have a way of clear up your mind and have a trusted system where you put everything. The interesting thing is that a lot of people have a system in their professional life but don't have it in their private life. <laughs> so what we actually do is we encourage people to extend the methodology even to their private lives. Is this something that we both enjoy because maybe our personalities are also, you know, geared towards being organized and enjoying things that are productive? I mean, I have a level of essentialism that I apply even in my personal life. So I think I gravitate towards a system like getting things done. And, and I wonder if maybe that's for you as well. What about people that kind of don't like, because, you know, it does sound like a little bit of work to set it up. <laughs> so that, that, when you talk about how much, like, you know, when you talk about some people who've got 5,000 emails in their inbox, yeah. ask them to go through that, and like, you know, it's a lot of work. So, you know. Yeah, I try to give that feeling of an empty inbox to everyone. So we have our little tricks of how we can put emails into a backlog just keep the ones that came last week. And so we have all little tricks to give that feeling of an empty inbox. And now we come back to the generation thing. A lot of people I work with, they didn't start their work with emails. They didn't start their work with digital devices at all. And nobody taught them how to handle email. It just came to them. They just got a computer. And, you know, in the first uh, <laughs> in the first months and years, you received one email per day. Maybe there were two, and then there were 10, and then there were 15. And you were like, oh, great, I received another email. And today people come to my classes and they have like 130 emails per day, which is a totally... <laughs> a different number than from the beginning. And um, these people were organized. They are organized people, but they sort of maybe fell off track because nobody ever told them. Yes, I would agree that people drawn to productivity tools are also drawn to GTD, but the methodology can help everyone. And even if you keep small work hacks, uh, we talked about the two-minute rule, it's something that can be implemented in, your, in, in the life of many jobs as well. Our clients are not only business clients. I recently had a chat with a colleague of mine and he coached a musician who is not at all working in front of the computer, but who wanted to get into control about all of his daily life commitments. And um, so we can help artists, we can help musicians, we can help, especially in the US, there's a number of uh, film actors who work with GTD as well and who have been coached with GTD. 
The methodology is so simple and I strongly agree that everyone should take out of the methodology what works best for them. I feel like being organized is also like a snowball effect. Like you start with the simple things, but once you start organizing smaller things in your life, the bigger things mm -hmm. also sort of follow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, when people freak out about getting organized and being more productive, like, you know, start with simple things and simple hacks. I think this is what, like, your work as well, like, you know, the simple hacks start there. Mm -hmm. you, know, it, it, you don't have to address the whole big mountain, start with the small things first as well. A someday maybe list is a list of possible projects and actions that you can address right now. These are ideas that could be a real goal for you someday. So a question for you, if you're willing to share as well here, maybe it could be tap dance related, but is there something on your someday maybe list? Oh, you know, my someday maybe list has about 200 items. It's a lot. And when I tell that in the seminar, people would just freak out. They were like, okay, I don't want to have a list like that. That would stress me. The engagement to my someday maybe list is that I want to keep it in my system. Maybe I want to come back to it someday, but I don't decide now. But I can tell you on my list <laughs> is to own a house at the seaside somewhere, either in Sweden or in Germany. So this is on my someday maybe. <laughs> it's a dream. <laughs> well, I hope that your someday maybe list on especially having a, a seaside house comes true sooner rather than later. <laughs> But yeah, in, in closing, did you want to add something? I mean, we've kind of meandered so much through productivity and being organized, taking sabbaticals, but is there one thing that we haven't covered that you would like to share with our audience? Well, I think in times of crisis, as we are facing right now, it is important to give your higher horizons or your perspective some ideas, some thoughts. Where am I today? Where do I want to go? The crisis can be a catalyzer for a lot of ideas you maybe have on your someday maybe list or maybe just come up these days so i would encourage everyone to take the summer break maybe <laughs> to give it some thought so what have i learned in the last months is there anything i yeah i want to change in my life maybe you don't want to go back to the life you had before the crisis give yourself some thoughts for your higher horizons for your wishes for your dreams and um, if you need advice in being successful just call me i will help <laughs> i'll be happy to help <laughs> thank you so much monica for taking the time to speak with us and what a lovely way to end the first season of hr alchemist this is the last episode but please stay tuned because we'll be coming back shortly with season two